0: Listen to the Anarchist Woolless this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are on the Anarchist Woolless this week once again. Welcome to our new listeners in Tasmania and Alice Springs. Good to see a few new radio stations jumping on board, listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My is Joseph Skar. I'm hosting today's program. If you're wondering what anarchy is all about, no, it's not what's happening in the world today. An anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on direct democratic principles. When people make a decision and then coordinate that decision at a local, national, regional level by using delegates, recallable delegates. It's not about representation. When you give a representative a signed blank check to make decisions for you for the next three to four years. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So if you want to cut off heads, make billions of dollars, switch off. This isn't the program for you, okay? The Anarchist World this week is for rational people who are looking for rational solutions. And why? Society based on direct democratic principles and equal access to wealth. Anarchism is about creating society without rulers. And how do you get rid of rulers? You get rid of rulers by devolving power and sharing wealth. Very simple. Look, I'm going to start off a little bit theoretical this morning. Look, I'm sick and tired of hearing about gender equality and racial equality. I'm sick of it. I'm really sick of it, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm not about equal opportunity. Anarchism isn't about equal opportunity. Anarchism is about equality. It's about getting rid of hierarchy. It's about equality. It's all very well to have, you know, Indigenous generals and female generals and female Indigenous CEOs, but does it really change anything? you look at the current Cominsure insurance scandal, well, it is a scandal, which has been going on for decades, I mean the head of the board currently is a woman, did it really make any difference? I mean we're about equality, we're not about equal opportunity, because when you talk about equal opportunity, you're talking about equal opportunity within the current framework, within the, within the current capitalist framework. Within a framework where you've got rulers and ruled. Within a framework where you've got winners and losers. That's what we're talking about when you talk about equal opportunity. So we are not talking about, about equal opportunity within the current structures. We are talking about breaking down the current structures and ensuring there is equal opportunity for everyone. Not just a few who can you know, grapple their way up the corporate ladder or up the military ladder, or up the media ladder, whatever ladder you're involved in. you know, It's much, much more than that. Anarchism isn't about equal opportunity. It's about equality. And it's about equality because it's about breaking down hierarchical structures. And why do anarchists want to break down hierarchical structures? It's very simple. Whenever you see mass murder, whenever you see political ideology, which results in the destruction of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, as we see in Syria. What we see, what we see is rulers utilising their power to impose their wills on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. So anarchism is about breaking down hierarchy. It's not about equal opportunity within the current structures. It's about breaking down those structures and creating structures which promote equality for all people, irrespective of race, nationality, creed, religion, whatever, gender, sexual orientation. That's what it's about. All right, let's move on now that I've got that off my, my chest because, you know, I'm sick of it. I really am because somehow people think... If you've got equal opportunity within the current political, economic structures, it's all going to be okay. Look, I don't care. When somebody's got their boot on my throat, it doesn't matter to me whether it's a woman or a man or somebody with religious belief or an atheist or whatever. or What nationality, what I care about is that boot's on my throat. And that's what... Anarchism is about it's about c- breaking down those hierarchical structures and creating new structures based on decentralised decision making processes. Listen to the anarchist world this week, broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. Now, a few more, a few little more um, mundane matters. Now, I'm sure you're all excited, really, really <coughs> falling asleep. Sorry, you're all excited about the abbot book, you know, and his, and, and his chief of staff that was published or well, came out of the Australian Murdoch's flagship in Australia. Now, I know you're all frothy at the mouth about it, but look, I don't give a continental about it. I don't give a shit about it. I'll tell you why. Because what I like to do is look beyond the book. Why do we find ourselves in a situation where the book was released last week? Now, there is one kingmaker still in Australian politics, and it's Mr. Murdoch. Now, you may think I'm hallucinating, but think carefully. What was the first thing that Mr. Rudd did when he became opposition leader in the ALP, you know, a decade ago? He went to the United States to have a chat to Rupert. What's the first thing that Tony Abbott did when he turfed Turnbull seven or eight years ago? He had a chat with Rupert and we saw all the Murdoch Murdoch empire put their uh, guns for hire behind him. Now Turnbull's made out of a different cloth. He's a social progressive on a number of issues. Economic neoliberal, but a social progressive on a number of issues. And obviously him and Rupert don't see eye to eye. But the last thing Murdoch would like to see is a new Labor government in this country. It's the last thing he wants to see. The last thing he wants to see because they're talking about things which may mean that he has to pay some tax one day, which would be a horrible, horrible thing for an old man to do, wouldn't it? I mean, let's not forget that he received an $886 million tax refund in 2013 by um, juggling a few figures. They paid, a news corporation paid no tax last year, while 21st Century Fox paid 0.75% tax on profits. All legal, of course. All legal. Nothing illegal. I mean, when you own the government, you don't need to do anything illegal. You just make sure that legislation is passed that suits your commercial interests. So, Rupert was a little bit hesitant about throwing his support behind Turnbull. Like the Fairfax media has done in this country, they've loved Mr Turnbull because he's a socially progressive prime minister, but he's got neoliberal economic views, which you know tie in with a, a corporate media organisation. So, if you remember last week, the big news was the change in the media laws. That was the honey on the spoon for Mr Murdoch to throw his forces behind the re-election of a Turnbull-led Liberal National Party government. That was the honey on the spoon. With the changes in the media ownership laws, it gives the Murdoch Empire the ability to dominate news around this country on a number of platforms, not just newspapers, but radio and television, all legally, of course. Now it's no, you know, it's no accident that ten days later we have the release of this book, which is basically designed to sink Abbott's chances of Turfine Turnbull out of office before the next federal election. Not about after the next federal election, but before because Murdoch's done his numbers and he knows that the way to get a Liberal National Party re-elected is for his empire to throw their support behind the Turnbull-led government. So Abbott finds himself on the outer as far as uh, Murdoch is concerned because, see, Murdoch is a very practical man. He likes to be where the power is. He likes to be able to be the king made to determine which political party, and who will be Prime Minister of the Land of Oz. Irrespective of his American citizenship, he loves to be able to, you know, interfere in the political and economic process in this country, not because of some ideological reason, so that he can continue to grow his media empire and other empires by manipulating the type of legislation which is actually ever introduced into Parliament. So think about it. There's the honey on the spoon. Bingo. You turn on Abbott, not that I care, and uh, you try to get the uh, Turnbull government re-elected. I don't know why nobody else talks about it. I mean, it's common knowledge. Everybody knows about it. Nobody seems to discuss it. It's all about what's in this prophetic book. Anything that comes out of the Australian Murdoch's sheltered workshop in this country, a newspaper that's never made a profit in its life. A newspaper that's given away for free, you know, at airports and uh, even a number of news agents, you begin to understand that Murdoch understands the power of newspapers. They may they may be waning in terms of the uh amount of uh sales. But the important thing about newspapers, whether they're virtual, whether they're uh you know, the real variety is the fact they set the political, social, and cultural agenda for the day because radio and television takes its lead from what is in the newspapers that morning on a regular daily basis. You listen to The Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, You may have noted, you may have noted there was a Royal Commission into Trade Unions. And uh, its findings were pretty pathetic at the best of time. Yeah, there's a few rotten eggs in the trade union movement. So what? So what? Every day, every day in this country, we hear about rotten necks in the corporate sector, whether it's the insurance industry, whether it's the airline industry, whether it's the health insurance industry. It just goes on and on. Every day, every day, there is some problem in the corporate sector. And it basically entails... Them doing what needs to be done to maximise profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the interests of their customers or the people they serve. I mean, that's the story every day. It's the story every day. But do we have any calls for a royal commission into corruption to the corporate sector in this country? no. Do we have any calls for a Royal Commission to the fact that one third of this country's top 1,500 largest companies didn't pay any tax last year? No. Do we have a Royal Commission to the fact that News Corporation has never paid much tax in its history in this country? No. Do we have a Royal Commission into any of these things? No. Because it really doesn't suit those in power, whether it's on the right or the left, to actually have a Royal Commission into these large organisations who are so powerful that they dictate parliamentary policy. They dictate parliamentary policy. I'll give you an example. It's very simple. Two or three weeks ago, the big debate was about a goods and services tax. Now, if the Liberal National Party gets the majority in both houses of Parliament, I guarantee you that within twelve months there will be the goods and services tax will be increased from ten to fifteen percent. It will most likely include food and books and medical services. I guarantee it. I can give you an ironclad guarantee it'll increase to fifteen percent. Because a goods and services tax is a lazy way of increasing revenue and it has the greatest impact on those least able to afford the basic necessities of life. That's what a goods and services tax is. But because of the unwelcome attention in the general public, they begin to understand that the major effect is on them because corporations claim their goods and services tax as a tax deduction, while a pensioner can't claim their 10% tax on their gas electricity bill as a tax deduction, can they? But Corporate Australia... Claims the goods and services tax as a tax deduction, legal, legitimate tax deduction. You may not have known about that in the good old days because obviously, you know, it's used to make a profit. That's the way it is. So that's off the agenda. So what's the next big thing? Now the corporate... The next big thing is putting a little bit of pressure on the investment class because there is a little bit of pressure for tax reform in this country. There is a little bit of pressure to increase revenue in this country. And the pressure isn't, isn't being placed directly on those large corporations which dominate the political process. The pressure is now being placed on those 15% of Australians who are stupid enough to use this country's uh, investment-friendly laws to legally minimise their tax by buy, buying a second homes or trading on the stock market. So the investment classes are coming under increasing pressure. Even the Business Council of Australia has said it's time we looked at negative gearing and we looked at the generous superannuation um, uh, tax exemption laws that we currently have because they don't want attention to be diverted to the corporate squatters. And that's all they are, corporate squatters feeding off the bounty of this land, feeding off the people of this land and providing nothing in return. And nothing highlights that than the current scandal surrounding the insurance industry, not just Commonwealth insurance. Nothing highlights that more than that today. That's the issue. That is the issue. So here we have the investment class. The 15% of Australians who have used this country's taxation-friendly investment laws to augment their income. They are now in the gun and they will continue to be in the gun until the next federal election. There'll be no c- call for corporate tax reform. There'll be no call for new taxes like a 1% turnover tax on corporations which turn over, say, more than $50 million a year or a 1% stock market turnover tax which would generate 18 to $25 billion for the... Uh, you know, the uh, public purse every year. And there's n- there's no call for any new type of tax which actually ensures that the corporate sector pays taxation. There'll be no call to make any changes to the corporate-friendly tax laws we have because it's all about now, you know, kicking the investment classes, the mums and dads in the investment class, not the big players, but the mums and dads in the investment class who are stupid enough to think that they could actually... Uh, play off the big boys. Anybody who uh, invested in the Dick Smith shares knows what happens when little people invest in corporations and multinational corporations take them for the ride. So where's that call for a Royal Commission? You won't hear it. And you won't hear it from both major political parties. And you won't hear it for one very good reason. And that very good reason is they tend to bankroll the fortunes of the major political parties not just in terms of cash but more importantly in terms of publicity more importantly in terms of favourable publicity on a daily basis for them that's the way it works Listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network this program is streaming live on 3CR Dot org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scan. If you want to learn more about anarchism, go to anarchistmedia.org. Anarchistmedia.org. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Yes, you can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. I dread going to the post office box because it's crammed full of letters. When I mean, everybody thinks that everybody's on the internet today, well, they're not. There's a lot of people who don't like their dirty linen, you know, aired on the World Wide Web. A lot of people. Don't you find it annoying when you go to a bank and you ask for somebody They say, uh, Do you do internet banking? And I say, No. And they say, Why? And I say, One, I can't be bothered. Two, it's not secure. What do you mean it's not secure? Obviously it's not secure. It is not secure. And I know of countless situations where people have lost money from accounts through no fault of their own and then they have to spend months, if not years, getting the necessary evidence to get the banks to uh, put it back in their account. I mean, it's just extraordinary. I mean, here we have a banking system which is totally unsecured, which has been promoted on a daily basis And what I find extraordinary is all these people promoting it and you say, look, I don't do internet banking So you've got a bloody job You understand that? You wouldn't be here if we all did internet banking, would you? Alright, let's move on Let's move on Now, don't get me wrong I'm not anti-gambling, you know I like the occasional flutter Because everybody's got that dream, haven't they? you got the dream You'll get that million dollars on Tatsalato or the 25 million or the 10 million and your life will be magically altered. You'll be able to buy that Learjet. You know, you've all got that little dream. So don't think I'm anti gambling But I am anti-casino. And I'm especially in this country, I'm anti-Crown Casino. And I'll tell you why. Now, Crown Casino, the only one I'm familiar with, not that I've ever entered the casino here, the only one I'm familiar with Is Crown Casino in Melbourne. I'm familiar with it because, one, it's supposed to be Victoria's biggest employer with over 8,000 employees. And two, it's Australia's biggest money laundering uh, organisation. You know, if you've got criminal money and you want to turn black money into white, obviously you go to the casino. Get a few chips and bingo before you know it You're an honoured citizen up there in the high roller room But what I find extraordinary is not their heavy handed security Which you read about or hear about on a a daily basis Or the tens of thousands of people who flock to Crown Casino every day Trying to find their fortune My commiserations But what I find extraordinary is the fact that they are beyond the law On a number of occasions, a number of county court judges in the state of Victoria have lamented, lamented about what goes on at Crown Casino, especially when they see the victims of fraud which parade through their courts on a daily basis. Lamented. You know, ordinary people being defrauded by desperate people who go to the casino and then, you know, lose it all on a daily basis you hear judges in this state, in the state of Victoria lamenting the situation, lamenting the situation and then when an anti when a a problem gambling report is produced regarding Crown Casino the Andrews led Labor government refuses to Release it for general consumption. Because, see, Crown Casino plays a pivotal role in the economy of the state of Victoria these days. And nobody really wants to upset Mr Packard Jr. and Crown Casino, do they? Now, I'd like to see the introduction of a a little law Yes, I've got a little bit soft in my old age. I think that you can actually change things by the introduction of laws. I'd like to see the introduction of a tiny little law. Tiny little law. Doesn't take much courage, and that's what our politicians seem to lack, is a vertebral column. They seem to be, you know, still squirming around in the slime, in the evolutionary slime, and they actually haven't got to the stage where they've uh, they've developed a vertebral column so they can stand up. You know, and say so we want this and we want that for the people we represent. But wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be pleasant? Wouldn't it be very nice and pleasant if a little law was passed which said that if somebody is found guilty of fraud in a court of law, and they used that money to gamble at Crown Casino or any other gambling establishment, legally set up gambling establishment, whether it's a pokey venue, the TAB or whatever, that, that organisation would have to refund the money that was defrauded to the people who were defrauded. Simple, honest law. You don't need revolutionary change. You don't need the masses in the streets. It's just a simple law. A very simple law. Wouldn't it be nice that if in a court of law, anywhere in this country, and you'd have to have state legislation in each state, which I don't think you'd pass federal because it's a state issue. That if somebody has been defrauded of money and that money has been used to gamble in a legally established in a legal establishment, that that money is automatically refunded within a two month period plus interest, obviously to the person who was defrauded from that gambling institute. And I can assure you that it wouldn't take very long for the casinos in this country to take a closer interest in those big spending gamblers who appear out of nowhere. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. Broadcast the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. As I said, simple. All you need is a few politicians with a bit of a vertebrae, you know, a vertebrae. A bit of evolution amongst our parliamentary representatives. It'd be nice to see that, wouldn't it? No big deal. It's not going to make much difference to the casino or Crown Casino or any other casino obviously it's not a you know it could be less than 1% of their turnover no big deal and at least the people who have been defrauded you know get their money back because most of the people who are defrauded are poor punters you know You don't even realize all right let's move on let's move on the Australian Greens now i've been around long enough to uh, remember when the Australian Greens were created And I've known personally some of the individuals who are involved in the creation of the Australian Greens over 25 years ago. And I'm sure some of those people who are now dead will be turning their graves at the direction the Australian Greens are currently taking under the new leadership of uh, Senator Di Natale. Turning in their graves. And I'm becoming quite concerned... Because for a long time, the Australian Greens have been able to harvest the votes of people who are disaffected, disaffected with the major political parties, and have promoted reformist as well as potentially revolutionary policies. But it seems that over the last six months, the Australian Greens have taken a new Direction. And this is a direction at expanding its political appeal, and it has entailed serious negotiations with the Liberal Party since Turnbull became Prime Minister, because as we said before, although Turnbull has got, you know, our good friend Malcolm Cayman Islands Turnbull, and merchant banker extraordinaire now Prime Minister, has always been a neoliberal, neoconservative as far as economic uh, issues is concerned, but likes to think of himself as some type of uh, you know, radical as far as uh, some socially progressive issues are concerned. And although the Australian Greens have been very strong on a lot of socially progressive issues as far as their economic uh, policies has been concerned, they've been wanting to say the least. So what we are seeing now is an accommodation between the Australian Greens and the Liberal Party because the Australian Greens believe that by forming an alliance with the Liberal Party, they'll actually be able to freeze the Australian Labor Party out of government for generations and expand their power base. And good luck to them. But what I'd like the Australian Greens to understand is their current power base is based on the dissatisfaction of their members with the major political parties that's what it's based on and rather the leadership is pushing this program for accommodation with the Liberal Party they may find the rank and file will desert them and they'll go the way of the Australian Democrats maybe they've had their Meg Lees moment because they are playing a very dangerous game as far as the party is concerned. Look, I'm not a member, never been a member, so I love to give unsolicited advice. Now, to go into an association with the Liberal Party, to pass legislation through the Senate, to blow out of the water the chances of minor political parties getting a Senate seat, and consolidate the Senate in the hands of the Liberals, the Nationals, the ALP and the Greens is a retrospective step. It really is. It is a backward step in anybody's words. But to enter into negotiations with the Liberal Party to direct Greens' preferences to the Liberal Party in marginal electorates at the forthcoming federal election is a dangerous proposition. And I'll tell you why it's a dangerous proposition. Because I don't believe the rank and file of the Australian Greens are happy with the direction their leadership is currently taking them. Well, I may be proven to be wrong. Because these changes in legislation and this flirtation regarding allocating preferences in the House of Representatives to the Liberal Party marginal electorates will cement, cement the ability of the Liberal Nationals to dominate Federal Parliament for the next decade. And whether the Australian Greens are willing to accept that outcome or not is something that we need to look closely at. So if you are a member of the Australian Greens, and I'm sure there's a few members of the Australian Greens listen to the anarchist world this week, as they've got a more bit of a more of a radical perspective, I'd find out what's happening in your party I'd go to a branch meeting, I'd find out what's going, what's going on at those branch meetings I'd make it known to the leadership, the current leadership, you're not happy with the direction that you're taking because if you don't You may find in a few years' time the Australian Greens will go the way of the Australian Democrats. This is The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. See, radical politics and reformist politics is all about repetition. And regular listeners to the program know it's about repetition. You know, you may dress up the debate in a different context every week, but it's about repetition. It's about trying to understand what's happening in the world today and, more importantly, trying to do something about it. Whether you succeed or not is different, a different prospect. What's important... Is the fact that we try. If we fail, we fail. If we succeed, we succeed. But nothing happens if you don't try. The old dare to struggle, dare to win slogan, you know, is very apt. Very apt. Because if you don't dare to struggle, you've got no chance of winning. If you do dare to struggle, you may win. You may not. But at least you're having an impact. Because we've got a problem. We've got a huge problem in this society there is only one idea that dominates every aspect of our existence. And that that idea is something that is never publicly expressed. Never publicly expressed. And that idea is that power is in this country lies in the hands of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to increase the profits of their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs to the community. That's the overlying drumbeat that drives this country. Now I'm ashamed that 24 million people living on a continent can't address even the most basic issues. It's quite extraordinary when you think about it. I mean, we're not 160, 170 million people living on a floodplain like in Bangladesh. You know, we're not 25 million people in the midst of a civil war in Syria. We are 25 million people living on a continent. And I feel sick every time I think that 1% of Australians own 40% of the wealth and 40% of Australians own 1% of the wealth. And I feel sick every time I see those parliamentary grubs who still haven't evolved a backbone actually doing almost nothing to address this situation. But I don't go to bed and pull the blanket over my head and say, woe is me. And I don't go to the toilet and vomit my heart out. And I don't, you know, say... It'll never change. The fact is, this is the type of society we live in. We've got 500,000 children that are live below the poverty line. We have a, over 120,000 people who are homeless. 33% of the population, about 8 million people, live on social security benefits. They live on social security benefits. They are basically living below the poverty line. Just goes on and on. I know there are many people who work very hard every day in this country and can't make enough money to cover their living expenses. The, the biggest growing sector of the working population is the working poor. I know that we live in a country which does everything it can to seduce people into becoming investors and taking advantage of those investment-friendly laws. I know, and you know, that we live in a country where access to basic health care is becoming an issue for an increasing number of people. I know, and you know, that trying to get a decent education for your children or grandchildren in the public sector, is becoming very, very, very difficult. And I know and you know that if you do take you know, advantage of a tertiary education, if you haven't got rich mummies and daddies, you'll be paying off that debt for the rest of your life. I know that. You know that. And I know that it wasn't like this all the time that it doesn't have to be like this. We all know that it doesn't have to be like this. So why doesn't it change? That's the question, isn't it? As they used to say, that's the $64 million question. Why doesn't it change? Why doesn't anything ever seem to change? Although we have a plethora of committees, public and private, and Philanthropic non-government organisations Which uh, attempt to deal with the situation Nothing ever seems to change It's the same debate every day And why is it that every day We see the hard-fought gains Which were gained through the blood, sweat and tears Of generations of Australia Being wiped off the board By legislation. You really have to ask yourself, why is this happening? I sound like Dr. Julius Sumner Miller. Why is it so? Why is it so? Why is it so? Well, it's simple. Our political processes no longer allow us to make significant changes. I'll give you an example. A very simple example. Now, the federal government is saying that if they win the next election, they'll have a plebiscite, 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 get it right, Joe, plebiscite regarding marriage equality. I'm thinking to yourself, why do you need a plebiscite? If you're going to spend all that money in having a plebiscite, which really means nothing, all it does, it says, 60% of Australians support marriage equality, or 20% of Australians support marriage equality, or 90% of Australians support marriage equality. So what? For the same money, for the same money, exactly the same money, you can hold a referendum. That's right, a referendum. You can hold a referendum. And what's the difference between a, a referendum? and a plebiscite. It's simple. If the question is carried regarding marriage equality in four states and by a majority of Australians, it then becomes incorporated in the Australian Constitution. If the decision is incorporated in the Australian Constitution, no government without calling a referendum, can take that decision away because it is part and parcel of the nation's DNA. That's what the Constitution is. It's the national DNA. It's the helix, the double helix, the political double helix, which determines the type of society we are. And why they don't want to hold a referendum? Because they want to be in charge of the process. And that's the problem of Australia and why nothing ever changes. We have no mechanism via which the public can alter the legislative agenda. We have no mechanism via which the public has a det- determines the types of laws that are passed in Parliament because currently we need to rely on political representatives whose major allegiance is not to the people they represent but to the political parties they belong to because they determine who gets pre-selected or not for safe seats. They determine the legislative agenda And that that legislative agenda is ultimately determined by the corporate squatters who put enough pressure on the parliamentarians to ensure only legislation, which is corporate-friendly, passes through parliament. So we need to break the logjam. We have a legislative logjam, and that's why nothing ever changes. And that legislative logjam is broken in two ways, through bloody revolution or through parliamentary pressure, through pressure from below. And it's time we look seriously at the concept of citizens-initiated referendums. Say if 25% of citizens sign a petition in a six-month period, they want a particular legislative agenda to be put through Parliament or to be incorporated in the Constitution, You hold a referendum on that question. Today, it's only the political party that has a majority in both houses of parliament that can actually fashion the referendum question and put a question to the Australian people in a referendum. There is no mechanism by which the people can determine legislation, none whatsoever. And what citizens' initiated referendums do in a reformist fashion is actually allow the population as a whole to determine the direction the country takes, not just the political representatives having a monopoly, a monopoly on the legislative agenda. And if you're concerned about the Trumps of the world dominating citizens-initiated referendum process, you can actually pass legislation which limits the amount of money that people are actually able to donate. You can have publicly funded campaigns with no private donations once a particular issue is brought to the public's attention for a referendum. And citizens-initiated referendum actually politicise the population. Most Australians are sick and tired of you know, politics. And they're sick and tired of politics not because they don't want to determine their own future because they understand that whoever you vote into parliament these days, you just get a politician. They understand that because of the processes that are in place which give them a monopoly on the type of legislation that's introduced. Through citizens-initiated referendums, you could introduce legislation to create a new people's bank to act as competition to the big four. You could introduce legislation for a 1% turnover tax for corporations which have a turnover of more than $50 million a year. You could introduce a 1% or a 2% or a 3% stock market turnover tax to increase revenue, to provide the necessities of life to an increasing number of Australians who are having difficulty accessing those those, uh, services. And that's a dilemma, isn't it? Revenue, expenditure, revenue, expenditure. If you... Have a four-bedroom house and you board up one bedroom and never use that bedroom, it's a total waste of time. It's the same with our taxation system. We've boarded up the corporate sector bedroom. Nobody goes into that bedroom. No revenue comes from that bedroom. That's what we've done. The dilemma is how do you initiate change? You'd initiate through direct action and Australians have a bad habit of not actually not being that interested in direct action. They may get involved in the occasional strikes which have now been legislated out of existence. They may get involved in the occasional mass demonstration about a social issue. But when it comes to confronting those in authority regarding the abrogation of their responsibility to the people they represent, we don't seem to have a history Of doing that. And unless we start doing that, in 50 years' time you'll have the same problem. Exactly the same problems. Nothing will change. Then there's the political process. There's the political process. And public interest before corporate interest has been set up as a potential political party. The key word is potential. Public interest before corporate interest as a move into that domain has a move into organising people who think that the responsibility of a government and an opposition is to put the interests of the public that it was before the interests of unaccountable corporations. Now, currently, we have about 640 members. Whether we're registered as a political party or not before the next federal election is in question, let's be realistic about that. It's a long process. It takes months. And if there's a double disillusioned election in July, which there most likely will be, and we won't be registered as a political party for this federal election. That doesn't mean that public interests, not corporate interests, won't be taking part in the electoral process. But once we're registered, hopefully by the end of the year, once we're registered, we will be in a position to actually use the parliamentary process to raise issues, to use the C word, capitalism, to raise issues which are currently beyond the pale, as far as polite discussion is concerned in this country. So, if you want to be a member of public interest before corporate interests, now's the time. Look at their Facebook page, look at the website, Pipsi, PIBCI dot net, Pipsi, PIBCI dot net. Download an application form. Have a look at it. Join. You can do much worse. Join public interest before corporate interest. Become a member of this rapidly growing political and social movement. It's not just the members that want to put public interest before corporate interest, but it's a matter of raising the issue over and over again. It's a matter, as I said, it's about repetition. It's about saying to people that change is not only desirable, but possible. What's hope? What's hope? Hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. And that's what most people have today, hope. The current political processes will suit their needs. And if the current political processes don't suit your needs, well, you need to look outside that framework. So you do either do that through direct action, work, workplace action, or through parliamentary politics. Different roads to the same Outcome putting public interest before corporate interest Breaking down the power of unaccountable corporations Having representatives of the spine Giving the people as a whole the opportunity to influence legislation To decide what legislation is I mean as I said before this marriage equality debate is the perfect opportunity To hold a referendum There is a push for marriage equality Forget about some parliamentary vote, which most likely will fail. Forget about some pathetic plebiscite, which means nothing. It's just, you know, spending 117000000 million. Let's put it to a question, to a referendum. It's passed. It becomes incorporated in the Australian Constitution, the double helix of the nation, the DNA of the nation. If you're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the community radio network, This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can access the podcast for the next few weeks. You can uh, write to us. Yes, write. I know I bitch about all the letters I've got to answer. Post Office Box, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can email us at info at pibci.net. Info at pibci.net. If you want to join public interest before corporate interest, go to the website, PIBCI.net. Download the application form, fill it in, post it. We don't want you to email it back. Privacy is always important in, in a political organisation, so post it back. It takes a lot of effort for the ASIO to look at every letter. They're all involved in the cyber wars these days, so don't worry about it. Just write to us, Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can go to the anarchismiddy.org, have a look at what's going on. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. And if all else fails, you can leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week on every state in the country of Australia via the community radio network. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. And if you're driving around and you're listening to this program on local community radio station, when you get back home, knock on the door of your local community radio station, ask them if they're a member of community radio network and if they are ask them whether they can broadcast the anarchist world this week on their local community radio station and if they're not a member they can still broadcast it if they give us a call 39 395 489 listen to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station next week thank you Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of Death Construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Wash my hands. Oh, Lordy! Yeah.